Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 15. We'll be looking today at the Syrophoenician woman, the title of the message, A Woman of Great Faith, Matthew chapter 15. We'll be looking at verses 21 through 28. As you make your way there, there is a parallel passage found in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. The Lord had Mark write from his perspective, and that account will supplement the uh, interesting story that we're going through today. We'll just read this section in Matthew. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus came thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. There are two Gentiles in the Bible who Jesus said had great faith. One was the Roman centurion. His story can be found in Matthew chapter 8. He came asking the Lord to heal his servant who was paralyzed and tormented. He said, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but if you just speak the word, he'll be healed. And Jesus healed him from a distance. It says in verse 10 of Matthew 8, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to, to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So here is a man of great faith. And the other person who Jesus said had great faith is this woman we just read about, the Syrophoenician woman. As we study the text today, we're faced with the truth that while Jesus came as the Messiah of Israel, he also came as the Savior of the world. As we look closely at this encounter, we'll learn that God heard her prayer and he rewarded her faith. The centurion and the Syrophoenician uh, didn't have the background that those who grew up in Israel had. The Israelites had the laws and the commandments of God. They had the promises of God's blessing as their nation. They had the history of wandering through the wilderness. These two Gentiles had faith based on a, a very limited knowledge of God in comparison. And so he sees their faith and he says they have great faith. With God's help, I'd like us to learn from this woman how we too can have great faith today. Great faith, first of all, is not limited by the circumstances of life. This woman was not from Israel. In Mark 7:26, Mark calls her a Greek and also a Syrophoenician. The word Syrophoenician is feminine, and so that tells us that this was a woman. And it also tells us that she was a native of Phoenicia, and that's an area in Syria. Matthew refers to her as a Canaanite. That was a term that went all the way back into the Old Testament times. In fact, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 29, 
It says, the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. These were the nations that God had told Israel when they went into the land to utterly destroy them because they would lead their children in marriage to false idols. God's grace is not limited to a certain nationality or to a certain group of people. By the way, how many of you had a choice in where you were born? (laughs) Right. So we don't take pride in that uh, where we were born, nor should we be ashamed of where we were born. God is the one who decides where that takes place. He's the one who assigned your gender, your race, your heritage, your talents, your looks, your family. And we have to come to the realization that God is, is all wise. He's much wiser than we are. And he's kind and he's loving. And we can be sure that he put us exactly where he wanted to use us and he equips us with the gifts that he wants us to be able to serve him with. Jesus traveled into the coast of Tyre and Sidon in Matthew 15, 21. It says Tyre, uh, that that's where he traveled. He was with his disciples. Tyre and Sidon were cities in Phoenicia on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's an area that's now known as southern Lebanon. Tyre is about 35 miles north of Galilee. If you look on a, a biblical map at the back of your Bible, it's right on the coast of the Mediterranean. Sidon was about 20 more miles further up the coast. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee. They made this journey that would have taken them a little over two days, probably a three-day journey to get there, 55 miles. Jesus wanted to keep the trip out of the public eye. In fact, in Mark, verse 724, it says that they entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. It may be that Jesus wanted to make sure his his disciples and he could get a a breather, a rest from all that was taking place in Judea and in Galilee. Some were following him because of the healings, because of the miracles that took place. Some followed because they thought, well, here's Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's going to deliver us from the rule of Rome. We're going to be politically free. And he distanced himself from the attempts that they had to make him their king. It may be that they traveled north because of the anger of the scribes and Pharisees that was increasing. They were looking for ways to put Jesus to death. When Jesus taught in the synagogue of Nazareth, he was asked why he didn't do the miracles right there in his own hometown in his own country. And he told them about how God sent Elijah to Zarephath, the city of Sidon, same place, Uh, The city of Sidon means it was near Sidon or under the jurisdiction of Sidon. Let me read how Jesus answered that question in the synagogue and, and, and pay close attention to how they reacted. It's in Luke 4, verse 25. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, that's Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, or Zarephath, the city in Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, or Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. 
Same area, same location. Here's the reaction, verse 28 of Luke 4. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of a hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. They wanted to kill him. These religious leaders didn't want to hear that God bypassed them in the past so that he could go outside of the nation of Israel and heal people that were in need. And God's grace is not limited to circumstances. His grace is not limited to the boundaries of Israel. And Jesus and his disciples went all the way to Tyre and Sidon for rest, but when they, they, they tried to secretly enter into a, that house, Mark says that last little phrase at the end of verse 24 of Mark 7, but he could not be hid. People wanted to know who Jesus was. They had heard of him. Trench wrote, like perfume betrays itself, so he whose name is perfume poured out cannot be hid. He's referring to the verse in Song of Solomon 1.3, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Great faith is not limited by circumstances. You can't look back at your life and say, well, God will never use me. God can't save me because of what has happened in the past, because of my background. Great faith is not limited by circumstances. Secondly, great faith makes specific requests. We read this woman's bold request at the end of verse 22 in Matthew 15. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. She came asking for one thing, mercy. Have mercy on me. She was asking for something that she knew she did not deserve. Mercy is God's undeserved favor. And crying out for mercy, she realized was her only hope for her demonic daughter. We cannot demand God's forgiveness. We can never presume on his mercy, but we can plead for it and hope for him to grant that mercy. Like the penitent sinner who cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, this woman cries out for God's mercy. She came confessing who Jesus was. She said, O Lord, thou son of David, Lord is master. These are messianic terms that she uses. She knew that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel. Look at the two accounts, other accounts. They're in different chapters of Matthew, so they're not, they're not talking about the same event, although each of them talk about two blind men. Matthew 9.27, when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Messianic term. Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. The Messiah was of the lineage of David. He would sit on the Davidic throne and rule. And these four blind men knew that he was the Messiah. And the Syrophoenician woman knew it too. She came believing that Jesus could heal her daughter. Let's read three actions of this woman that Mark records, Mark 7:25, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. She first heard of him. 
She believed what she heard. She came to him. She responded by coming. She fell at his feet. She responded in this in humble worship. Her knowledge of God, remember, was very limited. But she believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Don't think that you have to be a, a great theologian and know all the nuances of the scriptures to come to him by faith and be saved. It's called God's simple plan of salvation for a reason. Believe God. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, as the scriptures say. Confess him. Accept him as your savior. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Without a lot of knowledge of, of Israel's past, of the law of Moses, she came believing that Jesus was the Messiah. She came believing that Jesus could heal her daughter. We just read that. She heard of him. She believed what she heard. She came to him. She responded to that faith, to that belief by coming to him. She fell at his feet, worship. She asked Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. Matthew records the words, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. The word grievously is just severely or miserably. It's an ongoing situation in their home. And the word vexed means possessed of a devil or demonized. Mark tells us the story from his own perspective. He says, she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Mark also said, described her daughter as having an unclean spirit. Can you imagine this mother's compassion for her daughter? Matthew Henry writes about the burden that parents have for their children, especially their spiritual need. He says, the vexations of children are the trouble of parents, and nothing should be more so than their being under the power of Satan. Tender parents very sensibly feel the miseries of those that are pieces of themselves. Pray for your children. I don't know the dire extremes that you're, you may be facing in your homes, but God does, and he hasn't changed. He can do great things. I, I think it's humorous almost to hear what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said when he walked in on his mother as he was a boy and she was praying for her children. She said, now, Lord, if my children go on to sin, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold on Christ and claim him as their personal savior. She had done all that she could, but she was praying for their conversion. Don't stop praying for your children. God granted mercy to this woman. He's able to answer your prayers as well. This is great faith. She's coming to the one that she believes can help her. In doing so, she's turned her back on all of the, the false gods of her nationality. The Canaanites worshipped the goddess Astarte and other pagan deities. In the Old Testament, you remember Jezebel's father, Ethbaal, was from Sidon. It was the center of Baal worship. This mother knew that these false gods could not do anything to help. She came to the one whom she believed could. 
Great faith makes specific requests, and she made hers. Third, great faith is persistent. How did Jesus respond? It's almost as if we're pushing like the disciples did. Say something. He was silent. He answered her not a word. Why? Well, we can only guess. It could have been that he didn't want to offend the Jews by going to the Gentiles. He had told his disciples not to go in the way of the Gentiles. It could have been that he wanted to prove that her faith was genuine, to put it on display, to make it difficult for her to, to step forward. Or it could be to impress on the disciples that this request for God's mercy was by a Gentile. How are we going to respond to this? The silence did make the disciples respond to the situation. They verbalized this desire that he do something. What did they say? Send her away, for she crieth after us. Now, when they said that, were they saying, just get rid of her? Or were they saying, answer her request? It could have been a little of both. The Lord's answer, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That seems to indicate they wanted him to grant the request of healing for her daughter. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says they seem to be asking, Lord, why don't you go ahead and help this woman? She isn't going to give up until you do. Her faith was persistent. Matthew Henry writes, it is desirable to have an interest in the prayers of good people, and we should be desirous of it. But the disciples, though wishing she might have what she came for, yet therein consulted rather their own ease than the poor woman's satisfaction. Send her away with a cure, for she cries and is in good earnest. She cries after us and is troublesome to us and shames us. Continual our importunity may be uneasy to men, even to good men, but Christ loves to be cried after. How does the Lord answer? Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. These words were spoken probably to the disciples, but I, I, I'm sure that she overheard it. One author writes, the hardness of heart suggests by his silence now seemed confirmed by his words. We do not know what the disciples thought of Jesus' comment, but they must have wondered why he had so willingly healed the servant of the Roman centurion and offered water of life to the Samaritan woman at Sychar, but now refused to help this woman simply because she was not of the house of Israel. The woman continued to plead, verse 25. It says, she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Word worship is a very interesting word. It includes the, the name of a dog, or for a dog. It's proskuneo, and this, the kun in the middle is the dog. It's a beautiful picture of a dog who comes to his master's hand, and he, he's wanting attention. You've seen it before. Interestingly, that's the word picture that Jesus uses to explain his coming to the Jews first. Verse 25 of Matthew 15. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, when we think of that, the, the Jews used a, a term derisively for uh, the Gentiles that was just that kun, K-O-U-N, we'd put it in English. 
But here, there, there's a kunarion. Uh, Jesus uses this word. And it's almost as if it's a, a smaller uh, a dog. It's a puppy. And, and so we have this, is this not a, a, a mean term that he's using, but a very a precious and, and one, a term that she would understand. Verse 27, she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs, uses the same word, kunarion, eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So Jesus isn't showing the prejudice, the contempt that the Pharisees had in using the, uh, the, this term to describe Gentiles. The imagery brought out her own admission that she was not a member of the family of Israel. She wasn't asking for anything to be taken off of the table that was for the children, but for the crumbs. The Bible Knowledge Commentary explains this word imagery in a great way. It pictures a family gathered at mealtime around a table, eating food provided by the head of the household. The Gentile woman saw herself in this picture. She was not a child of the family of Israel, eligible for the choicest morsels of food, but she saw herself as a household dog, a Gentile, eligible to receive crumbs that might fall from the master's table. She was not wanting to deprive Israel of God's blessings, she was simply asking that some of the blessings be extended to her in her need. In light of such great faith, the kind of faith Jesus was looking for in Israel, he granted her request. Her daughter was healed that very hour. The Gentile woman's faith contrasted with Israel's leaders who were rejecting Jesus. This persistence that she has in coming to Christ shows that her faith is genuine. Warren Wearsby said, keep in mind that our Lord responded to this woman as he did, not to destroy her faith, but to develop it. Her own replies show that she was growing in faith and unwilling to let him go without getting an answer. So again, this woman shows the persistence of great faith. Reminded of our verse for this year, Matthew 7, 7, don't stop asking, don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. God will answer. Last point today, great faith is rewarded. She's rewarded because of that faith in verse 28. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. R.T. France writes this. He was confronting her with the sort of language a Gentile could expect to hear from a Jew. And her faith rose to the test. Her reply in verse 27 recognized the priority of his mission to Israel, but nonetheless claimed an extension of that mission to the Gentiles. She had thus perceived the plan to which God had been working ever since the call of Abraham, and which would in due time extend to the church outside the bounds of Israel. For this faith, she was appropriately rewarded. She was rewarded by Jesus' comments at that, the very setting, the words were a reward to her then. They were heard by the disciples. They were heard by those who were around her. And they're recorded here in the scriptures for us to read today and realize that she's rewarded for great faith. She's also rewarded with an answer. Her daughter was healed. She was made whole that very hour, again, at a distance, and yet at the same time that Jesus declared it. Mark 7.29 says, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Mark 7.30 says, her daughter laid upon the bed. 
This miracle took place because this woman, who had no claims to the promises that God had made to Israel, came to Christ, cried out for mercy, confessing who he was, believing that he was able to heal her daughter, persisting in this this request of faith in spite of the initial silence on his part. And she was rewarded for her great faith. She came to the light that not only shined in Israel, but also shines in the darkest corners of the world. Simeon quoted the prophecy of Isaiah when Jesus was brought into the temple. And he was he said, Jesus was the light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Can God say to you today that you have great faith? Do you make excuses about why, why you can't be saved, why you can't be used because of your circumstances in life? Come to God with specific requests. Come with him, to him with a belief, a knowledge, a faith that he can answer that request. God still rewards great faith. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the way that you're working here at Grace Baptist Church. I pray that you'd help us to uphold one another as we serve you together. I pray that this church will continue to stand as a lighthouse in our community so that souls can reach a safe harbor and anchor their faith in Christ. May we devote ourselves to that end. For your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.